And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Today, Joel chapter 2 verses 28 through 32 is our text. And it will lead us to the consideration of some New Testament concepts. There are two kinds of baptism. The day of Pentecost was unique. And Peter's sermon was powerful. And now... With his message for today is our pastor, Robert Elliott. The Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. He was buried. Three days later, he bodily resurrected by his Father's power. He spent 40 days on earth after his resurrection from the dead, being seen of witnesses. And then our Savior ascended back to heaven. Before he ascended, Jesus assured his followers at that time that the Holy Spirit would be sent to them. And those believers had many things for which to look forward. Spirit baptism. Baptism is from the Greek baptizo, which means to place into. There are two kinds of baptism in Scripture. The first is spirit baptism. When we trust Christ to be our Savior and we're regenerated, we are placed into Christ and into Christ's family called the church instantaneously, invisibly, automatically. That's one kind of baptism. And they had that baptism to which looked forward when Jesus promised them the Holy Spirit. The second kind of baptism is water baptism. Water baptism is not automatic. We request it in obedience to the Savior. It's visible. And oftentimes there's a delay between conversion and water baptism. It's not necessarily instantaneous or immediate. So Jesus left, went back to his Father's right hand, and ten days later, the Holy Spirit was sent of God to the believers in Jerusalem, and we call that the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, and tongues were given to the believers at that time. Glossolalia is the Greek term for tongues. It always means a known language that was previously unknown by the person who can now speak it. So what we had in Acts 2 were known languages being spoken and understood by people who spoke those languages, but the miracle was that the person who could speak that known language never had studied it and never had spoken a word of it prior to the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let's go there to Acts chapter 2 together to read about this wonderful day of Pentecost, which is the birthday of the church. The church did not exist until Acts chapter 2. It was a mystery, it says in Ephesians 3, a previously undisclosed in Scripture reality that was disclosed on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 that this entity called the church was in the will and plan of God from eternity past. And I'm reading from Acts chapter 2 to see this birthday of the church. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as if of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. There it is, glossolalia. As the Spirit, capital S, was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language, a known language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, that is converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying they are full of sweet wine. Isn't that ludicrous? To think that you could suddenly speak in a known language you'd never studied for was an evidence of having too much alcohol. Crazy. It's not true. It was an evidence of the Holy Spirit. Now, in the context of those dramatic events... Peter preached an explanatory sermon, and I want to read that sermon still in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 to 36. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea, and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man... Delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken." Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope because you will not abandon my soul to Hades nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus raised up again to which we all are witnesses. Therefore, 
having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So the Spirit of God descends like a dove, allows them to speak in tongues that were known but unknown to them. The church of Jesus Christ is born on the day of Pentecost, and the Apostle Peter preaches a hard-hitting and clear sermon to those who are present at the day of Pentecost. Now, the reason I'm tying Acts chapter 2 into this introduction to a sermon on Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32, is as you can see, Peter quoted the prophet Joel when he preached on the day of Pentecost. And the message is titled tonight, Seven Years Will Give Way to 1,000 Years. Seven Years Will Give Way to 1,000 Years. So the first part of Peter's sermon Acts 2, verses 17 to 21, parallels and quotes Joel 2, 28 to 32. And Joel 2, 28 to 32 is the focus of this sermon tonight. So the question becomes, what is the connection between Peter's sermon at the day of Pentecost, recorded in Acts 2, 17 to 21, and Joel's predictive prophecies found in Joel 2, verses 28 to 32? What is the connection? The connection is this. Joel chapter 2 looks forward through the corridor of time to the millennium, the literal thousand-year kingdom of Christ on earth. And Acts chapter 2 also looks forward to the millennium, but it suggests that the day of Pentecost was a sampling of that millennial kingdom. It was a foretaste of that millennial kingdom. At the restaurant, we would say it was an appetizer to the main course. Because God poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost to give birth to the church, it is a foretaste or a sampling or an appetizer to what the fullness of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit will be in the thousand-year kingdom and reign of Jesus Christ, which is still future to us tonight. That's the connection between the two. And so what we're saying is that Joel's prophecy will completely be fulfilled in the millennium, and it was partially only fulfilled in the day of Pentecost. Let me put it another way. The day of Pentecost was a pre-fulfillment or a glimpse into the ultimate fulfillment of the prophecies of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the future millennium. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas. And today we're going to continue on Jesus in Tough Times. And we've been talking about how each one of us go through different tough times. And what we've looked at over the last couple of weeks is when we experience tough times, we should express our emotions to God in real, honest ways, embracing a more honest dialogue with Him, being honest with God, telling Him exactly how we feel. One of the other things that we looked at was faith in Jesus and His ability to lead them through trials is what will get them through the tough times. We need to understand and come to Jesus. He will help us through these tough times. One of the other things is Jesus stands ready to offer comfort to us in the midst of our tough times. So here it is. We've been looking at Jesus in tough times. But today we want to continue looking at that. But the reality is that when we go through tough times, what is our response when we get through that tough time? 
You see, some people will turn to Jesus when we go through a tough time, but after Jesus brought them through a tough time, they kind of forget about him. They kind of don't, you know, even say thank you to him or for what he has done. And this morning we want to look at a passage of scripture that, that looks at individuals that basically Jesus had done something for them and only one had come back to him and said thank you. And I think that as we look at our lives and we think of going through tough times, we need to remember that God is always there with us. He's always there and we can call on him, but we need to remember that even when he takes us through those times that we need to be thankful that he has taken us through. You know, as we think of prayer, you know, we talk about and we like to use the acronym ACTS where we adore him, we confess our sin, but there's also that thankfulness, being thankful for what he has done. And I think that we need to be thankful. And I think that so many times as we consider us as people, you know, we're not thankful people. We like to point out the wrongs or we like to point out things, but we're not thankful when we get things. And I want you to imagine for a second as you considered before we look into the passage that, you know, you, you give someone something that meant so much to you, and yet they, you know, take it and they just leave without giving you any, any response, without saying thanks or whatever. And I and know that there are videos that are circulating around social media uh, where people have actually um, opened a door for someone, and the pe- person comes through the door and they don't say anything, and the guy gets upset, he goes and pulls the guy back, and so, you know, because they didn't say thank you for opening the door, and he basically pulls them back inside and say, all right, you know, you could open the door yourself. You see, we need to understand that we need to be thankful. We need to express that thanks to people because we are people that need, need to be affirmed. And again, as I look at this passage in Luke chapter 17, verse, starting at verse 11, it said this, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. So we, we stop there because we need to understand that here it is. These, these lepers have come to Jesus. They've met him on his journey. They see him. Um, you know, this is, they, they understand that they have a problem and they need help. And then verse 13 said, And lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So here it is. They are going through this ailment in their lives. They're going through a sickness. And they're asking Jesus to have mercy on them. They understand that they need, only Jesus can solve this problem. I think too many times in our own lives, you know, we need to understand that we need to only go to God with our problems. You know, because I think sometimes what we, we do is we talk to people about them, but we don't go to the real person who we need to talk to, who is Christ. I think that when we go through problems so many times, we sometimes try to do it on our own. And those tough times, we need to recognize that God is always there with us. Verse 14 says, And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And they went and they were cleansed. So we see in this passage of scripture, we see that Jesus sees the problem. They have a sickness. They, they're lepers. And he heals them. He tells them to do something and they do that. And they were cleansed. I want to ask you, what is it that you have been through in your life? What is it that God has brought you through? What trial and tribulation has God brought you through in your life? Because I think that what happens to us is, again, when we go through the trials and we go through the tribulation and we go through the problems, we go through the tough times, you know, we can be in constant prayer with God and in dialogue. And when God brings us out of those times, what, what is our response? Do we tell him thank you? Do we remember him? 
or do we just remember him when we have the problems? You know, when we consider, when we think of deaths in our families and, and all these different things, when, when Christ heals someone who the doctors may have said, I don't know how much longer they're going to live, but they end up living longer than the doctor said because we know that God is in control. Do we thank God for that? Or do we just remember and dwell on the negative times? Do we just dwell on what has already been done? You see, the lepers, as we consider what, what happened in this, they were healed from their problem. And verse 15 says, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. Here it is. This is his response. His response is worship. His response is thankfulness. His response is praise to the God who deserves all praise. What happens to us? Do we share the truth with people? Do we say, thank the Lord that God has brought us through this? Do we tell others? Do we thank the Lord for what he has done? Because great things he has done. And, and we consider, and, and, and in our culture, we like to always say, you know, about how great God is and God is good all the time. God is good. We like to say that, but do we really mean that? Do we truly live that? Do we truly show that even in the tough times? Because we need to remember that he's the same God that's in the valley as the same God is on the mountaintop, as one song says. He's the same God when we go into the rough times. He's the same God when we go through the good times. He's always the same. He's the same God yesterday, today, forever. So he never changes. But the problem is we change. We change because we look at our circumstances. We look at what's in the front of us. And we, we dwell on the circumstance. We dwell on what's on the front of us. And we think to ourselves, well, how can we get through this? What can we do? The reality is that we have, you know, look at this last verse. And it says, then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. Again, praise God. Praise God when you go through the storm. Praise God when life doesn't go the way that you want it to go. Because God always has what's best for us, even when it hurts us, because it's all a part of His plan. And I think too many times we can dwell on, on what's, what's going wrong in our lives. And even as we record this, you know, let's be honest, we are at a stage where some people may be thinking about what's going to happen now with our new VAT system coming into play. But we have to turn to God. Because it doesn't catch him by surprise. He knows. And we need to find our trust and faith in him. So I would challenge you, again, as we've, we've been talking about over this series, if you go into a tough time, remember, turn to Christ. Turn to him because he knows everything before it happens. And in our next episode, we'll pick up where we left off and start at verse 16 of, of Luke chapter 11 and just see, again, the worship response that this one leper had. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Well, good morning. I'm so pleased to have in the studio a new friend, Lorraine Green. Good morning, Lorraine. Good morning, Pastor. Lorraine serves as the Senior Director for Global Ministry in the Sub-Saharan of Africa with Team Mission. That is a responsible role. I understand that the Lord has given you charge and care for 80 missionaries. Yes. Wow, marvelous. Um, this morning, I was hoping you could tell us a bit about Mozambique and specifically the Tet province. After I finished my 30 years of 
Bible teaching ministry up in Chad um, team leadership asked if I would serve in this role as senior director overseeing all of our work in Africa. And one of the mandates uh, in that role is looking for new opportunities for ministry in Africa. Five years ago, when I first took on this responsibility, I was talking to one of my co-workers in Zimbabwe, and I said, if you were free to go in any direction, where would you feel that God could be leading us? And he mentioned Tet. Um, back in the 1930s, team wanted to enter into Mozambique, but we were frustrated because the government, under the Portuguese government, would not allow Protestant missionaries into Mozambique. And so because of that, uh, the missionaries wandered across the Zambezi River to the south side into what is today Zimbabwe. And we've had 80 fruitful years of ministry in Zimbabwe. Praise the Lord. Nevertheless, uh, Mozambique remained on our heart. And uh, we have one small project in Mozambique down near the coast, um, near the city of Beira. But when my coworker mentioned Tet, um, I took an interest in that and have been exploring the opportunities there. Last September, we sent an exploratory team into Tet. Actually, there are churches and mission work in that area for a while, but we went to see if there would be an opportunity for us. We found an urban center. The city of Tet is not um, a small city. There's a mining industry around Tet um, province, in the Tet province, where they mine coal and other minerals. And so there's been an explosion of industries there relating to the mining industry. And so many of the people have left their villages and come to the city of Tet to take advantage of the job opportunities there. So the city of Tet has grown very quickly in these recent years. Interesting enough, Wycliffe Bible translators have just this year completed um, the New Testament in the Numwe language. They have finished their work. This couple, a South African couple, are returning home to put their kids through college, finish their education. But here they are leaving us now with the New Testament and Genesis and Exodus Excellent. in the Nungwe language. And they are asking for others to come now and take what they have done, this resource that we have in the God's Word translated, and now use it to teach the pastors and the church people how to use God's word in their teaching and in their preaching. And so they're begging us, asking us to come mm. and take what they have done and take it forward now in the gospel ministry mm -hmm. in that area. To the north, um, just about 90 kilometers, we came across a, a man who was ranching cattle in that area, again, a South African who had uh, an Afrikaans man and his wife who had moved up there. The government gave him 10,000 hectare to run cattle. Wow. And the government said, well, we'll chase off the people who live there. And uh, Christo, this man from South Africa, said to the government, no, no, don't, don't do that. We'll let them run their cattle in alongside of my own, and we'll improve the grade of their cattle, and uh, don't run them off. Very good. So um, a random encounter, again, God-driven with one of my coworkers at a sporting event down near Pretoria in South Africa, he, this Cristo invited us to come to his ranch up there in north of the city of Tet, in Tet province. He is working with the people in agriculture and, and ranching, 
but he's asking us to come and help with the spiritual ministry. We went up there, as I said, last September and found an area so isolated and a people group so isolated they, uh, that uh, they had no churches, no gospel witness, mm. and uh, they don't speak um, a language that we're familiar with. They speak the Chewa language. Again, through networking, we found that the church in Malawi, again to the north, farther up the road, they do speak Chewa. Interesting. So we went up there and talked to the church leaders, a church, the Evangelical Church of Malawi that comes out of the ministry of the London Missionary Society, mm -hmm. which was the mission that David Livingston originally went into that area yes. under. So here they are speaking Chewa, and we're asking them if they would partner with us. And they said, yes, they will send us two evangelists to Christo's ranch mm. to work with these people who don't speak Portuguese or any other language. They will preach the gospel in this group. At the same time, the Evangelical Church in Malawi is asking us to come and help them with training their pastors in theology. Mm. There's been a, a need there, a lack of sound Bible teaching. And so by them sharing with us um, evangelists and us sharing with them uh, theological training, we can enhance one another's ministries and partner together. So good. So we're excited about this opportunity to move into the city of Tet and the province of Tet and to partner with the church of Malawi and we're just to see what the Lord is going to do for us. But I'm looking for missionaries, whether they come from South Africa or from Zimbabwe or from North America or the Bahamas. We're looking for missionaries to come and learn uh, Portuguese and probably another vernacular language also and work together to share the gospel in that isolated location. Yes. Lorraine, I feel led of the Lord to ask you for your email address if you're comfortable giving it. Yes. Um, you can contact us right through the website at, under team.org, team, T-E-A-M dot org. Or my name is Lorraine.green at team.org. Wonderful. And that's green without an E on the end. Right, just, just like the plain color. green. Yes. Well, you never know what the Holy Spirit is doing as people listen. Yes. And what an exciting story of answered prayer, God's love and faithfulness. Yes. Uh, wonderful. Let's let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I think of the person in, in the story uh, Lorraine has just told who challenged another Christian. What do you think God would have you to do if the slate was clean? Mm -hmm. And there was a sense in that Christian of what should be done. And Lord, may we all ask that question regularly. What would you have me to do if the slate is clean? And so we just pray that you continue to bless the efforts uh, in Mali and in uh, the Tet province of Mozambique. Uh, we pray that you be honored and glorified in it all, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N16 
84 Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.